Hello everyone and welcome back to the Drew View. In today's show, I am going to be going through every single Republican candidate running for president in 2024, and I'm going to be ranking them based solely on the issues. I'm Drew Bennett, and you're listening to the Drew View. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the show. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. I want to let you guys know that I did upload an episode yesterday afternoon. I could not get it up in the morning because I was gone on vacation. I thought I would be back in time, but I wasn't. So go check that episode out if you haven't already. I want you guys to listen to that one. If you didn't hear in that episode, I also said that episode 75, which is tomorrow's episode, is going to be the last episode of the Drew View for season one. Now, we're going to get into what that means tomorrow, but in my last full episode of season one, what I wanted to do, we are about a month out from the primary debates, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to say, okay, let's look at the Republican candidates. I've been able to hear from most of them. I've been able to see how a lot of them have answered questions via town halls or interviews on issues that are important to them and issues that are important to voters. And I think I have somewhat of a good idea, especially for the top candidates. So what I'm going to be doing is ranking all, I don't even know how many of them, but I'm going to be ranking them all and we're going to go from worst to best. And what we're going to be doing through that is just going through and saying, okay, this is where they stand on the issues, and this is where I feel like they are on those issues, and we will see from there. So, without further ado, let's start. So, number 14 is governor, former governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson, the worst candidate, I think, in the field. And that is, again, when I'm doing these rankings, for this episode specifically, I'm only talking about the issues. I'm not talking about anything else. Asa Hutchinson, I think, is essentially, not even essentially, he's a Democrat. Calling him a rhino would be offensive to all of the other rhinos out there. I think he's to the left of Mitt Romney on most issues. He's really bad on transgenderism. He vetoed a bill that would ban uh, different things dealing with transgenderism, saying that, oh, it was unconstitutional when many states have passed bills almost identical to it. And he just really is not very good on the issues. I listened to him talk to Tucker Carlson, and some of his responses to Tucker's questions were just absolutely laughable. So I, I really think he's the worst candidate in the field. He probably will get the most votes out of the you know super left-leaning Republicans. He'll probably get at least a little chunk of votes, but he'll be lucky to get above that 2% mark or so. So... That's Asa Hutchinson. Now, I, for the next two, I just have 12A and 12B because I don't, I don't really know. Um, Francis Suarez, governor of, not governor, uh, he's the mayor of Miami, and Will Hurd, he's a congressman from Texas. They are both essentially running in the same lane where it's anti-Trumpers for the most part. I guess Will Hurd is more of an anti-Trumper and Suarez is an anti-DeSantis guy, I guess. Um, he's also kind of an anti-Trumper, but both of them are pretty liberal conservatives, liberal on most social issues, maybe slightly financially conservative, but for the most part, socially liberal. 
and most of their viewpoints don't differ all that much from liberals. And with those two candidates, and especially with Asa Hutchinson too, these are the three candidates where especially, like, I would honestly rather just see Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on the Democratic side than see these three win the Republican nomination. Like, that's who I would rather have. So those three, probably the three worst candidates in the Republican primary. Then at number 11, we have Ryan Binkley. Uh, he's a pastor from Dallas. I, do, I barely know who this guy is. Like, I've, I've heard his name a couple times. He's, again, I, no, no name recognition. I don't know who the guy is. I don't think anyone really understands who this guy is. Not many people do. But he is a pastor. And, again, that's not the be-all and end-all. But I would probably prefer him over a over a candidate that's just out there to try and oppose DeSantis or oppose Trump and things like that. So I would probably have him there at 11. Now at number 10, this kind of makes no sense, and now I'm thinking about maybe switching. You know what? Never mind. Number 11, Chris Christie. Again, same thing. He's he he's a little bit more electable, possibly, but he's he's basically like Trump, but more liberal on most socialist issues. He's very brash. He comes out swinging. He'll probably have his moments in the debates. But again, Chris Christie is just, he's not it. So I'm going to put him at 11 because again, I would rather have somebody who's a pastor and who's who's doing something other than just opposing Trump. And that's all Chris Christie is doing, opposing Trump, trying to knock Trump out of the race and then, you know, go down the line and just try and knock people out of the race. He's not trying to win on his own issues. He's trying to win by kicking everyone else down. So put him at 11 and Ryan Binkley at 10. I just made that change now. So Hopefully you guys are seeing what I'm saying. Now, at number nine, this one, I feel bad for putting her this low, but number nine is Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley is just, she's really good on a lot of issues. That's why it's it's sad. Like, he's really good on election integrity. He's really good on climate, I think. She's really good on these different issues socially. She's really good on a lot of issues. I was watching her sit down with Tucker Carlson. She is really good on those issues. But my, oh my, she would get us into World War III lickety split. She, I I believe I've heard from places. Now, this might not be 100% accurate, but she it would 100% be one to say this. And she's super big, you know, war hawk and is trying to essentially push this war in Ukraine. But she has essentially said that we should admit Ukraine into NATO. Now, if we did that, it would trigger World War III because someone's admitting a NATO country. Now, every NATO ally has to go in and protect them. It would be a world war. We cannot have that. We cannot have a president, no matter how good they are on every other issue, who would get us into World War III. We can't have it. That's simply something that we cannot have. For that reason alone, I almost, just because of that point, put her last, because I would almost rather have someone who would kind of destroy our country than than put us into World War III. Not destroy our country, but like who wouldn't be very solid on the issues compared to other conservatives. I would rather have that than someone who would get us into World War III. We just cannot afford that. But it's, re- it's a real shame because Nikki Haley is good on a lot of other issues. 
She is a woman, so she could get some suburban women out voting for a Republican. I don't know. I, I feel bad, but that's just where I have to put her because if you are going to start World War III, I can't vote for you. I'm sorry. Now, coming in, this is, again, I, I think I have 7A and 7B. Uh, Doug Burgum and Perry Johnson, they're basically two you know, billionaires who self-funding and basically just trying to get onto the debate stage. They would probably be very good on economic issues. That's the whole reason I have them here. Um, both of them seem solid on the issues uh, economically, but I don't know how strong they are on social issues, which is why I can't put them any higher. I think that they are doing more than just saying, well, I hate Trump or I hate DeSantis, so I'm just running to oppose them. I think they're doing more than that. They do have a plan. I just don't think they'll even be able to get that plan out there. I don't think they're going to make it to the debate stage. If they do, I don't think they're going to get much airtime. And I really don't see them going anywhere. But again, on the issues, they could be solid economically, which is really what a lot of people are focused on. But number one, I think they're unelectable. And number two, I don't know how solid they are in the social issues for me to say, oh, yeah, let's get behind them. So that would be... 7A, 7B, Doug Burgum, Harry Johnson. Now, at number six, this is a weird one. I got Larry Elder. Now, Larry Elder, he's an American, you know, talk radio guy. A lot of people would know who he was if they saw him or heard him. He's a very intelligent guy, and he articulates things very well. He could have his moments in a debate because, again, well, he articulates things really well. He's been in the media before, you know, with talk radio and stuff. So I think there is a lane where Larry Elder could have a couple moments, but he really shot himself in the foot. And this is really sad because he could potentially be higher, but he really shot himself in the foot when he went and ran against Gavin Newsom in the recall election in California. If he would have done a little better and not bombed that so badly, he would actually be a very solid candidate. But I think because of that, people have a sour taste in their mouth. People don't think he's going to win. People just do not like him. Even though I do think he is solid on a lot of issues, I do support him on a lot of issues, and I think that he is coming from a from a place of good faith when he brings those issues about. He is really focused on fatherless homes and the black community. So again, I think that there's definitely a lane where he could do really well I just don't know if that's going to happen now because of the fact that, well, he really did botch that recall election. So, unfortunately, I have to put him at number six. Now, at number five, I'm really surprised I have him this high, but again, there apparently there aren't that many super solid candidates. Uh, Mike Pence. Now, I really, I hate to say this, but I lost a lot of I lost a lot of respect for Mike Pence after he got on and talked to Tucker, and he's no different than the libs in saying January 6th was essentially one of the worst days in American history. Oh. And, you know, he, ju he just doesn't differ from the libs in that sense. He also is a huge Ukraine, like a Ukraine war shill. We cannot have people who are just going to keep us in this war and again, a lot of the people who want to keep us in this war, it's like, okay, well, how is this war going to end? Uh, um, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, well, it's like, stop it. You, you can, you can't even come up with an explanation as to how 
this war is going to end, aka when we're going to stop giving funding to Ukraine. If that is just never, we just have these, again, never-ending wars, and we're just giving money to Ukraine on a never-ending basis, like, really? I can't have a president that supports that. So, again, we have to focus more on things that are happening domestically before we go to these foreign policy issues where we're sending billions of dollars overseas. I don't think Mike Pence is the best on that, so I have to put him at number five. Now, at number four, I have Tim Scott. Tim Scott, I think he's a really nice guy. I think he's really electable. I think that he could do super solid. But the problem, again, with Tim Scott, like so many other Republicans, here's the issue, okay? About 95% of Republicans say that we're giving too much funding in Ukraine and we need to just try and end this war as soon as we can. You know what the problem is? About 90% of elected Republicans are like, no, we need to continue to fund Ukraine until this war is over. And if it's not over for 200 years, that's fine. We're just going to keep sending them money. And we cannot have Republicans who differ from the voters that much. Voters are sick of seeing all this money pouring into Ukraine. Now, Tim Scott is a little bit more solid on this because he says that America's interest in sending all of these materials to Ukraine is to just deplete the Russian military, not to see Ukraine win, not to do this or that. Now, if he actually stuck by that, and once the Russian military was depleted, then we pull out of the war, he at least says when he thinks there's going to be an end. So that's, again, one of those things where it's like, I can get behind that because Again, you got to find an end to these endless wars. Now, if it's like, okay, well, it's not depleted enough. Keep fighting. Like, I don't, I don't agree with that. But if he does seriously believe that, okay, once it's depleted enough and we feel safe, we'll pull out. Like, I think that could potentially be a good solution. But I just, I don't know. I don't really like how he's answered a lot of the Ukraine questions. And that is just such a big issue. That's the one of the biggest foreign policy issues that people care about, especially when we see billions and billions of American taxpayer dollars going to Ukraine. So now we're into the top three, and these are most people's top three candidates on the issues. Number three, Ron DeSantis. I like him on a lot of issues. I think he is just, he's not his own man. He just takes ideas from everybody. He doesn't really come up with anything of his own. And he's very establishmentarian in the fact that I don't really think, I don't really think that a lot of his policies, I don't think that a lot of the things he implements are really things that he was like, oh, this would be a great idea to do. It's like, oh, they did this, let's do that. Or my donors told me to do this, let's do this. I don't think there's anything that he doesn't either take opinions from his donors on or from other people's campaigns. I just haven't seen a single policy where he said, let's let's try this too, and, and done something that nobody else has done. I think that's pretty dangerous just because he can be swayed very easily. I mean, I don't really want a president who is just like, oh, well, a few people believe this now, so let's just go this way on this issue. Like, no, you got to have some grounding. You got to have a, a basis for what you believe. But I do think he is a solid candidate compared to all of the rest of them. I don't really, you know, he doesn't really have a very solid plan 
with the whole Ukraine-Russia situation again. Just not really having a plan is not a good solution. You can talk about wokeness, you can talk about all the problems in the world, but until you have solutions for them on a national level, you, got, you, you just can't be a solid candidate unless you have solutions. Now, he has a lot of good domestic policies because he can just say, oh, I'm going to do what I did in Florida, which a lot of that stuff did work. But what are you going to say about the Ukraine war? You didn't, you, Florida wasn't fighting a war. So you can't really use that. So that is Ron DeSantis. I think that he, again, I'd be happy to go vote for him. I, I would, you know, I would go to the ballot box and, and as long as he sticks to the issues and he is a solid candidate, I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to go vote for DeSantis. But at the end of the day, I think there are two other great candidates in the race. And number two, that would be Donald John Trump. Now, the biggest thing with Trump, he has his own policies that he would implement. He thinks for himself, he knows what needs to be done. He's done it before. He wants to do it again. He's He is the front runner for a reason. Like, I'm not saying that he is the best candidate, but he is a proven one. And He's done well. There were a lot of things that he didn't do, a lot of things that he didn't do well, a lot of things that he didn't fully complete, a lot of things that he could have done better. But with that being said, would you rather have a DeSantis who doesn't really know what it's like at the national level or someone like Mike Pence or Tim Scott who's a little murky on the issues or Donald Trump who shows you who he is? He admits that, yes, he, he made some mistakes. There were some things he should have done that he didn't do or, you know, there's some things that needed to be done that he didn't get done when he was in office the first term. And again, there's a reason that people are supporting this guy because he has what it takes. He's done it before, and a lot of voters want to see him do it again. And now, number one, you guys probably know who it is, Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, again, you got to look into the guy if you haven't already. I say it ad nauseum, but Vivek is the man. He is young. He is energetic. He brings new life to the Republican Party, to the movement. He's someone that a lot of young people could get behind. A big chunk of people who donate to him are first-time donors. People are sick of career politicians, just like they were with Donald Trump in 2016. Trump has now been a politician for like over 10 years now. And well, okay, maybe not over 10 years now, but by the time he gets out of office, it'll be like 12 years that he's been a essentially a career politician. So Vivek, he brings new light. He's a businessman. He relates to the people really well. He articulates his points amazingly. He is going to be, if not the number one, the number two candidate by the end of the debates and by the time that voting rolls around because he's such a solid candidate. I really do believe that because DeSantis I think he's showing that he's got some weaknesses, that he is essentially just trying to be Trump without being Trump. And, you know, some people, they just want their McDonald's. If, it, you know, you might be able to offer a better alternative, but some people just want the old classic. They just want their McDonald's cheeseburger. They don't want your fancy, crazy, really good burger, even if it's better than McDonald's. They just want the original. They don't want your knockoff brand of cola, even if it does taste better than Coke. They just want their Coke. It's just one of those things where people just want the main thing. I think 
That's why people will pick Trump over DeSantis. But Vivek has a unique enough policy basis where it's like he's not just, you know, saying, okay, well, I'm just going to do everything Trump did, but just not be Trump. No, I actually have my own policies that we're going to implement. I think he's a really solid candidate. I think he's going to do really well. And I can't wait to see how this primary goes, how the debates go. It will be fun to watch, no doubt. So with that being said, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. Let me know. You can email me, thedrewviewshow at gmail.com. You can uh, find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, any of those outlets. I think I'm even on Truth Social. So you just find me on all of those and reach out. Let me know what you think about these candidates, where you would have them ranked, if you think I ranked somebody too high or too low, and we'll have a nice, like, friendly conversation. So thank you guys for listening. I'm going to end now with my closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you for another opportunity for me to speak into this microphone. Father, as I wrap up season one of the show, I just pray for guidance as you guide me where to go next. Lord, just help me and all of us to be more like you in all that we do each and every day. We love you, we praise you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Alrighty, folks, thank you guys for sticking around until the end of another episode. You cannot forget to come back here again tomorrow. It is the last episode of season one of the show. Thank you for all the support that you've shown me. I love you guys. Can't wait to see you guys tomorrow. And until then, stay blessed.